Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal on WGN. And in the studio, we are very proud to have William Maravitz, former state senator, but now co-producer of Miracle, a musical 108 years in the making that celebrates the 2016 World Champion Cubs. That song was from 69. Thanks for coming down to see us. Uh, it's great to be here, Dave. Great. So tell us, I went and saw it. Tell us a little bit about the about the play. And you started you started this musical actually before they won, right? In the spring. I did. I came up with this idea in February of 2016, before the season ever started, before they even reported to spring training. And I was working on another idea, another show, and uh didn't didn't come together. And I said, you know what? I have another idea. We're gonna do a show about the 2016 Chicago Cub season. As seen through the eyes of a typical working-class family in Chicago, generational Cub fans that own a bar in Wrigleyville and have lived and died with their beloved Cubbies. I have no idea what's going to happen with this season, but I'm a pretty big baseball fan, and I think they have as good a chance as winning as any team in baseball. They have as good a team as any team in baseball. And let's follow this family through the highs and lows and the ups and downs, losing faith and regaining faith, uh, and watch the 2016 season unfold. And little did I know it was going <laughs> to turn out the way it did. But, uh, you know, if they hadn't won, I think we might have had a show called uh, Wait Till Next Year. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, so when did, you, when did you start working on it? Uh, how, did you, uh, how did you recruit Jason Brett, uh, co-founder of the, uh, did the book, co-founder of the Apollo Theater? And, uh, so, well, so, yeah, I, talk, talk about how it all sure, came together. I, I started working on this in 2016, in February, in, in March of 2016. Um, I had people, uh, a friend of mine named uh, uh, Julian Frazen has been working on this with me from the beginning, and we had quite a number of scripts friend of mine named Ira Burkow, a Chicagoan, who's a Pulitzer Prize winner. He wrote a couple of scripts. I had songs written. I had other people write scripts. And for some reason, they just never worked for me. They just never resonated. I just didn't feel that there was enough character development. The audience would really get engaged, get energized with this, with this family. And um, then I hired a whole new team in September of 2018. Jason Brett, who had produced about last night, yeah. who's a good friend of mine. Damon Kiley, who's uh, the uh, head of theater for DePaul. And a genius composer, lyricist named Michael Mahler. And we started working this in um, September of 2018. And frankly, I was told over and over, you can't do it this quick. You can't get it done that quick. It's going to take us at least a year. We'll be ready maybe, maybe in September of 2019. And I said to them, I said, that's not going to work for me. I said, I'm producing it. I'm raising the money. I'm putting my own money in. This has to be ready for the beginning of the baseball season. Well, it just can't be done. Well, it's, it's going to be done. And if you don't think it could be done, then we have to look for somebody else. And it was done. Everybody worked very hard. I got to give great credit to the three creative geniuses who, 
who put this thing together. I got to give great credit for Tom Ricketts and Mike Lafrano and people on the Chicago Cub organization who helped give us the uh, highlights, the parade footage, the World mm-hmm. Series footage from Major League Baseball, and um, it's it's I think it's something special. It's playing at the Royal George Theater, sixteen forty one North Halstead. Open ended. Open ended. You've had some people come by. Wilson Contreras, I read, came by. He's one of Wilson the Cubs. Wilson Contreras Cubs was there last weekend, and he absolutely loved it. He laughed, and he cried. Yeah. And he really cried real tears that he wiped away as we watched the World Series of 2018-16 unfold. Yeah, yeah. More players coming, do you think? Oh, yeah. On their days a lot off. more players coming. Ryan Sandberg was there opening night, and we've heard from quite a number of players who will be there in the uh, very, very near future, including Joe Madden. <laughs> That'd be good. Um, what was your first Cub game? Do you remember? First oh, Cub game you saw? I could never remember my first Cub game, but I can first remember. First season? I mean, what, yeah, what were your I early years with the Cubs? I getting on the L, having to take two buses to the L, getting off at Addison. I think it cost us a quarter to get into the bleachers. I went with all my buddies from school. We took our shirts off. We got a great suntan. And... Um, the seats were not reserved, mm-hmm. and uh, it was just guys being guys. It was wonderful. We loved it. Uh, we were in the right field bleachers. We always had pretty much the same seats. That's right, yeah. And yeah. I, and I and I loved it. But I must also say, I'm also a White Sox fan, and I would right. uh, I would not be I'd be dishonest if I didn't say that I was also a White Sox fan. But you, um, 18 years in the Illinois General Assembly, Wrigleyville was your neighborhood. Wrigleyville was uh, the area that I represented, and um, being the center from Wrigleyville was very interesting, and Major League Baseball, and the Chicago Cubs came to me in about 2000, in 2007 and asked me if I would help them work with the community to get lights in Wrigley Field. And the community was against it. There was a community organization. No, you're called, talking 88. This has been 88. I'm talking, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, I'm sorry, right, I yeah. gave you the wrong date. Yeah. It, was two, it was 1988. Yeah. And there was a community organization called CUBS, mm-hmm. Citizens United for Baseball in the Sunshine. I remember them. Yellow and T-shirts. They wanted no night games at Wrigley Field. They wanted nobody coming into their, into their home, their community, their parking spots at night. And um, they were against it. And so we worked together to, to work something out, to get a compromise. We reached a compromise for 18 night games initially at Wrigley Field. Sticker parking so that the community would have their own parking. Um, the Cubs provided uh, off-site parking and buses and stuff to get to the, to the field and security uh, around the field. And so I think it was a win-win for everybody. And, of course, the property values have skyrocketed since our first night game on 8888. Now, um, the, the, the place uh, Miracle, a musical 100 years, 108 years in the making, takes place at a working-class bar in yeah. Wrigleyville. So how do you think the uh, advent of night games has affected these very working-class bars that are in your Well, play? I think it's been great for the bars, to be sure. Uh, I mean, you've got... Tons of people coming in for an hour or two hours before the game, staying an hour or two hours after the game. Um, it's it's kind of the place to be. There's a whole ambiance there. It's not just the game. It is the ambiance before and after the game. And um, as we say in, in the show, Wrigleyville is changing. 
it's really changing a lot. It's being gentrified a lot. And little bars like the one in our show right. are um, kind of, you know, our endangered species. Well, I think they're important. To yeah, that's they're why very we like we, Dan Long, we like the Nisai Lounge. The Nisai Lounge is right. Right. Murphy's Bleachers still has a little sure. old, old yeah. flavor and stuff. But yeah, that's part of the community. I remember going to Mur Murphy's Bleachers originally. Um, it had no rooftop. Yeah. Uh, it, it had no expansion. It had no outdoors. Um, it was really authentic, Murphy's Bleachers. And now, of course, you, you can sit on the roof, you sit outside, it's expanded, and um, it's it tells you a lot about Wrigleyville. I'm curious, um, is the script fluid? I mean, when stuff happens, like we lost Bill Buckner, and that's a big thing in Cub Nation. I mean, Bill Buckner, everybody talked about, a lot of the old bits talked about his years in Boston, but he was such a gallant Cub. So if stuff like that happens, is the script fluid? Do you, do you write something like that in, how the people in the bar would react to Buckner's passing? Or no. Is, this, is, this strict, is it a rigid script? It's Well, I wouldn't say rigid, but it's we wouldn't write that into the uh -huh. script. But let me give you an example, <laughs> a wonderful example. Let's say the Cubs win the World Series in 2019. You can bet. That if we're there, that will be written in and we will have a new segment about winning again in 2019. You bet. <laughs> A miracle, a musical, 108 years in the making. It's at the Royal George Theater, 1641 North Halstead. The crowd, at least the night I was there, very spirited. People really into it. They sing the seventh inning stretch. There's a, there's a real strong affinity oh, for just the vibe in the room, you know? There is a vibe in yeah. the room, and we have different people sing the seventh inning stretch before Act Two begins. Ryan Sandberg sang it opening night. We've had Willa Contreras there. We had uh, Wayne Mesmer sing it one night. We had Richard Roper, the movie critic oh, yeah. from the Sun-Times, sing it. So He's a Sox it, fan. Yeah, but but he's he was very into it, and we'll, we'll have a lot of exciting people, um, both from the sports world and the entertainment world, uh, participating in the show, singing the seventh inning stretch. Um, there'll be a lot of exciting things happening in the coming weeks. All, let's do a little background stuff. All Equity cast, all Equity, and all, 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 no, it's not all Equity. Oh, I thought it was. No, there are some. There are some non-Equity actors. It's a mix of Equity, mostly Equity, but there are some non-Equity actors in it. All original music. All original, hundred percent original music. Kind of a describe the music, kind of a, in your own words. Kind oh of a pop boy, uh, we have just fantastic music. Michael Mahler has written most of the music, and it is the kind of things you can hum and sing and whistle as you're leaving the theater. It's memorable. Uh, a couple of fantastic songs were written by Julian Frazen. One song called "The Voice Above the Crowd," which is oh, yeah. really memorable about the great voices in history that we remember the voices above the crowd, and now they are voices above the cloud yeah. because they have died. The Jack Brickhouses, the Harry Careys, the Ron Santos, the Lou Boudreaux, the Vince Lloyds um, of Cup history. And then uh, how'd you get our friend Arnie Granite involved? Well, Arnie's my best friend, yeah. and uh, I've been telling him about this for a long time, and Arnie, Arnie uh, is doing a lot of other things, and he kind of said, you know, I'm into this, I'm into that. But as I kept talking to him and as he kept seeing it develop, he, um, he got really turned on. And he saw this was really something that he didn't imagine when we first talked about it and has become something very special. So I think when people go to see this show at the Royal George, they're not going to – they have no idea what to expect. I mean, this is not a show about strikes and balls. Yeah, it's right. not a show – if you're a, a, a woman that says, I'm not into baseball – 
this is this is not about baseball. This is about a family. This is about a family just like any other family in Chicago that has ups and downs and overcomes adversity and has anxiety and loses faith and regains faith and has the normal problems of dollars and cents and intrafamily problems that any family has. You will see the highlights in the background on the screens projected. But the show and the emotion of the show is about a family. Um I saw. I think the Tribune said it was like kind of for Cub fans only. Sox fans can other 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 non Cub oh, fans. You know. This is not at all a show about Cub fans yeah, only. Okay. Uh-huh. I mean, we have. I've I've got quotes on my phone from people coming out of the show saying, "I'm not a baseball fan. I'm not a Cub fan." I loved it. I cried. I was emotionally involved, and that's what the show's about. It's not just about the Cubs at all. And uh, bleacher bums. Did that? Was that in the Floatsam and Jetsam? Did you think about that at all? I'm sure you saw it when it was here. I did see it. And this is something completely different, but did you think about Bleacher Bums at all? Truthfully, Dave, I did not think about Bleacher Bums at all because this is much deeper than Bleacher Bums. I mean, obviously it's a musical. Obviously we have projections of the, of the season. But the character developed in the emotional involvement about a family, about a grandfather, about a father, about a little 11-year-old girl is is really deep and you come out feeling it and and engaged and rooting for the family much more than you did with bleacher bums okay we're going to take a break then i get a little bit more into your background i want to i also we've been talking about faith so i want to get into that a little bit sure. faith. so, so sure. don't go away on nocturnal journal go, go. It's Miracle, a musical, 108 years in the making, and it's at the Royal George Theater, 1641 North Halstead. What, Wednesday through Sunday? I'm, I don't know. Yes, something like Wednesday that. through Sunday. They can get tickets either by uh, MiracleTheMusical.com, going online, MiracleTheMusical.com, or they can call the uh, box office at the Royal George Theater. And that's uh, William Maravich, you're the co-producer of Miracle, and I'm going to read you this, Mr. Maravich. And I probably know the answer to this. What are your plans for the first day of summer, Friday night, June 21st? How would you like to spend a romantic evening under the Ravinia stars with 19-time Grammy award-winning music icon, the legendary Tony Bennett, one of the greatest singers of our time? His annual sold-out concerts are a highlight of the Ravinia Festival summer season, and Tony always sings. I remember he did an album, uh, I Left My Heart in San Francisco, where he had like a, a Giants warm-up jacket on uh, at every performance. We have two pairs of lawn tickets to see Tony Bennett on Friday night, June 21st, for the second and fourth caller. You can get row at 312-981-7200. That's Two sets of lawn tickets for Tony Bennett on Friday night, June 21st at Rivini. I'm sure you've seen Tony Bennett. I want to tell you something. If you haven't seen Tony Bennett, you're missing something because yeah. he's not going to be around that, that long. Yeah. He's fantastic. He's a song stylist. He's infectious in his enthusiasm. He's phen- phenomenal. He's I a- mean, the, my two favorite singers are Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett in no particular order. And if you get a chance on the to come out and see Tony, you really should do that. He's he's just a wonderful guy, personally, and just a great a great song stylist. You should, if he's around town, you should get him to come out and do the seventh inning stretch. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Wouldn't great. that be great? Um, I was telling you during the break there. Um, I, I'm listening to you talk about faith. 
And that makes me want to ask you, I don't know much, where'd you grow up? And talk about your roots in Chicago. For sure, music. Yeah. I grew up on the, on, in, on the north side of Chicago in an area called West Rogers Park. Uh, I started off at a high school called Sen High mm-hmm. School. And then they built a brand new high school called Mather High School. And they took all the kids who lived west of Western. And they, after our first year at Sen, they moved us to Mather High School. So we came into Mather as sophomores. And there were no juniors or seniors. So imagine going into a brand new high school where you get to pick the, the colors, the slogan, the nickname, everything. And I was the first captain of the Mather tennis team because there were no juniors or seniors. It was it was wonderful. So there you go. Uh, do you... You find faith and, 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 and empowerment in sports, uh, your tennis, going to baseball games? I think, Dave, to be very honest, if I look back on my life, I found faith from my best friend and my confidant and the person that I loved most in my life, my father, who was the nicest, kindest, most thoughtful, decent, compassionate, generous human being I ever met in my life. And he was my inspiration, and he was my faith. And did that help you lead you into politics? Yes, I think it did help me help lead me into politics, along with his brother, Abraham Lincoln Merovitz, mm-hmm. who was my uncle, who never was married. So we were like kids to him. And so between he and my dad, they sort of led me into politics. And I got a, I got a call one day that changed my life from a guy named Richard J. Daly. When I was practicing law with a family law firm, and he said, do you have time to come see me? I said, of course, Mr. Mayor. And I walked across the street, and he gave me a bear hug, and he said, Billy, I need you to do me a favor. I said, you want me, a young whippersnapper in his 20s, to do you a favor? Well, there's a district on the north side that I keep losing, and I need someone to run that I think can win, and I think you can do it. I know a little bit about you and your family and your your friends and uh, your gift of gab, and I think you ought to do it. Well, as a 20-some-year-old kid, you don't say no to Richard J. Daly. (laughs) You just can't. You live in this city. So it changed my life, and I ran, and I got no endorsements from anybody. Nobody thought I could win, and I wound up winning by a landslide, and uh, it changed my life. Wow! Wow! So, what are you doing now outside of outside of theater? I'm I'm real interested in this City Tech Center in Fulton Market. Yeah, I'm doing. So, I, talk about I, stuff you're doing away from I, the theater. When I left, when I left the Senate, I bought a lot of the land in River North, and I put up 60-story buildings all over River North with condos and and uh, rentals and parking and uh, uh, restaurants and retail. And um, that was very successful. And now I'm doing a, a real estate project just west of Google on Fulton and Carroll, uh, a very high-tech building, probably the most high-tech building in Chicago, with a mixed-use commercial um, on the lower floors and a hotel on the upper floors. And I'm very excited about that project. I'm also doing a project similar to that in Miami, right across the American Airlines Arena, Oh, really? Uh, also called a very high-tech center with a hotel on top. So I think I've got the next several years of my life pretty much uh, spoken for. So talk about these two disciplines then. We're here to talk about theater, and then you have that. So are they just two separate things? or do you, well, Is this like a breakaway for you? Dave, the, the, thing that, the thing that turns me on at, at this stage of my life is really not making money, and it's not power. It's, it's creating something that wasn't there before. It's satisfying my creative juices. And 
to come up with a germ of an idea in February of 2016 before the season ever started and keep nurturing it, watering it, and seeing it come to fruition, that is, that is a high that I can't even explain to anybody. When 50 people walk in a room and they're going to put this play on that I've all hired, um, and this play is now at the Royal George and thousands of people are leaving it every, every week and enjoying it and laughing and humming, that's, that's a pretty high feeling uh, to know that you've done that. And um, it's just about creativity. Had you ever done anything like this before? Miracle? A musical? I mean, a, a theater? No, I've never done anything in theater. I've invested in theater. Yeah, I've right. invested in some fabulous theater. I've invested in a play called Spam a lot. I invested mm-hmm. in a play called uh, All the Way with Brian Cranston, who played LBJ right after Kennedy was assassinated. I invested in a play called Glen Gary, Glen Ross. But I was a yeah. very passive investor in all of those ventures. In this particular venture, I'm the producer and I am the decision maker. And uh, so it's all in my lap. And. Um, you know, there's highs and lows and potholes, a lot of anxiety, and also a lot of satisfaction. Yeah, I mean, I just like your gumption. I mean, the fact you just said you were going to get this thing done, you're, you're, you're very goal-oriented on this whole thing. This is, this is going is to happen. If you believe in something, yeah. you really got to go for it. You, you got to be all in, and you got to have a lot of tenacity. Uh, things don't just happen unless you're ready to make them happen and do whatever needs to be done to make it happen. And this was an idea, a dream that I had, and I thought, you know what? I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm going to make this happen. And it's uh, the set. I just want to try to do a visual picture. You've got the screens where you can, I mean, I, it was emotional to see some of that footage because I hadn't seen it in a mm-hmm. while. And you did get MLB's sure. cooperation. MLB was very helpful. The Cubs were very helpful. Yeah. Was, there no, was, there no, was there Pat Hughes stuff or were you able to get that? I heard Bill, sure, Cur- the, I heard Bill, Bill Curtis heard one Bill time. Bill Curtis, yeah. you heard Bob Surratt. Yeah, yeah. But the last call, the last out was Pat Hughes' actual call from the radio from the night we won the the World Series. Where were you at that night? Do you remember? I was at my friend Arnie Granite's house. You were? The two of us were just in his uh, apartment watching it by ourselves and, you know, living and dying like everybody else. So yeah. when, when Rashid Davis hit the <laughs> two-run tying home run, when we were five outs away, I thought, oh, my God, here we go again. I can't believe the curse is happening again. We were all so close. Everybody thought that. Everybody around the country. Yeah, sure. Thought that we're five outs away. We're up six to four, and all of a sudden this guy hits a home run, and then there's a rain delay. And what happens in the rain delay, and the and the the conversation that that uh, Haywood had with his teammates in private is very similar to the conversation that our protagonist has with his family members in this show. Yeah, it's 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 so it's so well done. Where were you at were you at the I don't even like to mention his name but the, I feel sorry for him but where were you at for the Bartman game? I was at the Bartman. So was I. Yeah. I was at the Bartman we're, game and I couldn't believe you have Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor going and we're up and I figured it's a lock. It's a lock. Okay? And you know what? Nothing's a lock. Yeah, yeah, I know. That was that was quite a moment. Well, 
thank you. So thanks first of all for coming in. I know you're a busy guy tonight. I kind of I kind of forced you to come down to the studio. Well, this is very enjoyable. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're uh, you're an icon and institution in this city. And wow. thanks for being Dave. Thank you. And give, give the listeners all the details again. Miracle, a musical, a hundred years in the making. Yeah. yeah. Go go to miraclethemusical.com and you can get tickets. Or call the Royal George Theater and you'll be able to get tickets for any night. We'll shoot Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, matinee on Sunday. And it's a nice space. And you it's a wonderful popcorn space. Popcorn and beer. It's all affordable. You bet. You bet. Nice. Thank you, Mr. Verovitz, for, for coming in. Thanks, Dave. And we'll see you again. Okay. We'll be back with more Nocturnal Journal after this.